Before I begin, I just want to talk to you about how I plan on releasing the episodes and the scheduling for the show. So, my plan is to release an episode every Monday at midnight. That's one episode per week for now. However, because of my work, I leave for two weeks every two weeks and can't publish my episodes while I'm gone. So I have to record all four while I'm at home. Considering that I ran out of time this time since I released episode one in the middle of my return home, I will only be releasing this current episode right now for week three, and I will not have an episode coming out next Monday. However, after this, I will consistently have content ready for you guys every Monday as promised. So next Monday, no episode. After that, new episode every Monday unless extenuating circumstances come up. Thank you for your understanding. Now in this episode, I will discuss suffering and interpretation of it throughout history and how it relates to us today. On to the show. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Dead Butterflies podcast. I'm your host Sebastian, and as always, I'm really excited to be here. The topic for today is suffering. Let's dive right in. If you listen to episode 1, I spoke about hedonism, which is an ancient Greek philosophy which states that humans should live to increase the pleasure in their lives while trying to avoid pain, all while keeping them within moderation. Now, if some of you listeners out there are like me and have or are suffering through different forms of substance abuse or have the capacity to fall into excess, we know full well that it can lead to us neglecting our responsibilities, making poor choices, or hurting other people around us. Whatever the case may be, we can all agree that no one enjoys having to deal with these things, especially if we let our problems accumulate over time. For the ones that have gone through this or are living through this right now, We know through experience that it is easier sometimes to just escape our problems through our addictions and to try and forget and ignore what we have to come to do to get better. Why go through pain and suffering when we can chase pleasure? So this is a concept that has been debated throughout human history. We obviously suffer through physical pain, but emotional pain can often be just as bad and oftentimes worse than physical pain. I touched on the idea before, that if we want to be in the place of pleasure and joy, we have to be able to move through the pain and to suffer. This is a concept that is known as the duality of pleasure and pain. This concept, interestingly enough, is interpreted in many different ways throughout history and through different cultures, philosophies, and religion. But one thing that they can all agree on is that there is a great meaning behind suffering. We will look at the interpretations of suffering through different cultures and religions as I think we have a lot we can learn from the ancient thinkers and philosophers. And at the end, as usual, I will give you my take on the meaning of suffering and how it applies to us in our modern age. I'll start with one of my favorite periods in history, ancient Rome, and we'll have a look at what the ancient Romans thought about this. Now if we look at the full scope of Roman society, suffering had vastly different meaning depending on your social class. The patricians, the Roman elites at the time, tended to have a more stoic approach to life. Stoics believed that one should focus on developing the inner character and living in harmony with the world around us, the natural order of things as it was called. They put a huge emphasis on self-control 
and resilience in the face of adversity, as virtue was the highest good, and all other things are secondary to it. It is of the mind that one cannot control what is out of their control, and therefore must identify and work with what is within our control. For those of you that have been to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings have probably heard of this, and it is reflected through the Serenity Prayer. The origins of Stoicism, as many things Roman tend to be, come from ancient Greece. Stemming directly from Athens in the early 3rd century BC, Zeno of Sidium founded the philosophy in the heart of the city. As many philosophers at the time would gather around a famous landmark known as the Stoa Poikile, or Painted Porch, the name Stoicism is thought to be a derivation of this colonnade, which depicts scenes of ancient Greek mythology, battles, and various historical events. However, this philosophy tends to be associated with the Roman Emperor, Marcus Aurelius, who lived during 121 to 180 AD. What's fascinating is that this work, known as Meditations, is still studied to this day and is regarded as a classic in Stoic philosophy. The book is essentially a collection of his private thoughts, his diary if you will, and it really gave us a deep insight into the mind of a Stoic. He put a deep emphasis on reason, self-discipline, and the acceptance of the natural order of things. If you're interested in reading into this fascinating person in history, I highly recommend this, as Marcus Aurelius was an emperor who had many challenges to deal with throughout his reign, and was regarded as a man who always maintained a sense of humility and compassion despite his hardships. Now we can all agree that from an emperor's position, or any member of the nobility at that time, when events happen, such as a rebellion, an invasion, or a famine, it can be distressing and difficult for the individual or his or her family. However, we can't really compare to the unnecessary suffering of the men and women who were forced into slavery either. I bring this up because it is suffering, but it is a form of cruel and unnecessary suffering, and unfortunately a very dark truth in our collective history. Pirates, tribes, nations, city-states, and empires have all participated in this cruel practice and was unfortunately a massive business in the Roman Empire. We can safely say that almost all the works and architectural wonders which still stand today were built on the backs of slaves and their labor. But that cruel and unnecessary suffering that was inflicted on what was usually war captives and criminals led to some incredible moments in Roman history where the oppressed rose up against their oppressors. Their suffering pushed them to fight back, where the conditions of war, battle, and potential death was preferential to the conditions of a slave. One of those famous uprisings, often depicted in movies and on television, was the Third Servile War of 73-71 to 71 BC, led by the gladiator known as Spartacus. Since he and many of his followers were trained gladiators, they managed to fight and defeat several Roman armies until a general by the name of Marcus Licinius Crassus defeated them. Spartacus was killed in battle, fortunately for him, because 6,000 of the rebels ended up getting crucified along the Appian Way. You can only imagine how that must have been a horrific sight to behold. This is all a prime example of how some people would rather risk torture and death rather than the suffering, humiliation, and oppression of slavery. In this sense, while their suffering is absolutely immoral and useless, it can be said that it had tremendous meaning regardless. While I would never agree with or condone any form of wanton human suffering, those that have fought, suffered, and died for their freedom should be regarded with respect and veneration. So here, in one period of human history, 
we see two different forms of suffering with two different outcomes and meanings, all of which can change based on your social class, circumstances, and standing in a society. Next, we will look all the way to the East and have a look at various Eastern cultures, religions, and traditions in relation to suffering, as they interpret it in a different way, but essentially to the same ends as the ancient Romans did. Buddhism is a common one that people refer to when thinking of Eastern cultures, often and mistakenly believed to have originated in China. It was actually established in ancient India well over 2,500 years ago by Siddhartha Gautama in present-day Nepal. Believed to have been born around the year 563 BCE into royalty, he lived a luxurious and privileged life. He eventually became disillusioned with this lifestyle and left his place to seek enlightenment. By giving up the worldly goods and following different masters, he came to the conclusion that asceticism, which is the deliberate and strict imposition of discipline, self-denial, fasts, celibacy, and self-mortification was not the way to enlightenment. In short, you subject yourself to voluntary suffering with the aim of purifying the body and the mind. This practice, while advocated by some sects or spiritual traditions, is not widely advocated as it is believed to be unnecessary and harmful. I, um, heartily agree with that, folks. What the fuck? Anyways, dukkha, not to be confused with the delicious Middle Eastern spice mix, means suffering or unsatisfactoriness, and is one of the fundamental concepts of Buddhist philosophy. Dukkha is basically a summation of the worldly pains and suffering one endures in a lifetime, and can be manifested through physical pain, mental anguish, unease, and dissatisfaction from our attachments and desires. Buddhism's aim is to understand the nature of our suffering and to cultivate wisdom and understanding so as to transcend our sufferings. Despite its origins in India, it has been and is still a major religion in China. When you consider the aim of Buddhism and what its significance and relationship is with suffering, and when you know the recent history of China and the political crackdowns that were imposed on monks and temples during the Maoist reforms, I find the whole thing ironic. The Chinese people suffered tremendously over that period, and to some extent still do today in some areas. I can't help but wonder if that philosophy has a hand to play in the resilience that much of the population had since then. Next, we'll look at Hinduism and the meaning of suffering for the practitioners of that faith. Suffering is viewed as the inherent aspect of the cycle of life and death, known as samsara. The term karma, which is Sanskrit for act or action, has significance in Hinduism. It is as we understand it today. Good actions lead to positive consequences, and negative actions can have negative consequences which can manifest as suffering. From what I can tell, no one seems to believe that it has a single founder but has developed over thousands of years from contributions from sages, thinkers, and was shaped around the traditions and the different cultures at the time. So it is safe to say that it has evolved over the years into what it is today. In Hinduism, suffering is viewed as an opportunity for spiritual growth and development. It is believed that patience, compassion, and resilience, the pillars of spiritual progress, can develop through suffering. It is also viewed as a way of purifying negative karma and accelerating your spiritual evolution. The goal is to learn to detach yourself from suffering and to attain spiritual liberation, as suffering is only a temporary aspect of this existence. 
Asceticism is one aspect of Hinduism as well, although it is believed that there are other means of enlightenment and liberation. Finally, we will take a quick look at Confucianism and its set of beliefs in regards to suffering. Founded by Confucius, or Kongqiu, as he is known during the 6th and 5th century BCE, I apologize by the way if I didn't pronounce his name properly, his teachings were developed during a time of great political and social upheaval as a response to the chaos and disorder at the time. Confucius was a scholar, politician, and philosopher, and was born in the then state of Lu, which is now part of what is known as the Shandong province today. His teaching had a profound impact on Chinese culture and society, which resonated still to this day. Viewed and associated with the concept of humanness, cultivating humanness involves acts of empathy and compassion towards others. By sharing our suffering with others and vice versa, it develops a collective desire to alleviate the suffering of others. So the sources of suffering, such as the cycles of life and death, illness, poverty, injustice, and human foolishness, when shared collectively, will naturally lead to a path of moral and spiritual growth, as we all share the burdens of the world and suffering together. Objectively, embracing suffering while avoiding to inflict it on others is viewed as an opportunity for growth, wisdom, compassion, virtue, and the opportunity to contribute to a higher good in society. Now, obviously, there are many other cultures, religions, and beliefs that hold their own perspective about suffering, and it would make for quite a long episode if I were to cover all of them. But this topical view of the concept gives us a basic idea of how Western and Eastern cultures view and interpret the concept. The common theme, however, is that suffering is an opportunity for self-improvement and personal growth. Whether it's more personal and philosophical, or spiritual in nature, I think we can all agree that there's a lot of wisdom in these ancient philosophies and beliefs. Before I proceed, I want to give my thoughts about how all of this reflects back to us in our modern age. Let's just have a quick look at what more recent philosophers thought were about suffering. While many ancient philosophers of the ancient world had a more pragmatic view of suffering, we see a shift in the way some more modern-day philosophers perceived suffering. For example, Arthur Schopenhauer, a German philosopher born in the late 18th century who is a known pessimist in his view of the world, believed that the world as we see it is not reality, but it is shaped by the will of men which is what drives our actions and desires, and that that is the source of all human suffering. He believed that the pursuit of happiness, so hedonism, is essentially futile because pleasure is only temporary and suffering is always the inevitable outcome. Nietzsche, another German philosopher born in the mid-19th century, also believed that suffering was an inevitable outcome of life, but more pragmatically, saw it as a potential to transform it into a source of strength and creativity. Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatrist, born in the mid to late 19th century, believed that suffering arose when an individual was not their true selves, or disconnected from their inner self. He also believed that suffering was a source of potential growth, compassion, and empathy. And finally, in our modern age, Jordan Peterson, a Canadian clinical psychologist and professor, he views suffering as not only inevitable, but an essential part of what the human experience is, and that it can be used as the catalyst for personal growth and development. 
So that covers a historical and more modern look at suffering and how our ancestors and modern philosophers thought about suffering and their interpretation of it. If you want to participate in the discussion, you are all more than welcome to write to me by email at deadbutterflypodcast at gmail.com. That's deadbutterflypodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. If you don't already know or are new to this podcast, my goal is to build a community of people who help and support each other while we reach our goals together. Whatever they may be, sobriety, getting your life together, fitness goals, business, or just personal well-being. We all have a story to share, and I believe that we can do it together. Spread the message, share the link, talk about it to your friends and family. Let's do this. Deadbutterflypodcast at gmail.com So here are my thoughts and opinions on everything we covered here. And here's how I think it can relate to us in our modern times. A common thread that we see, no matter what the time period or culture is, is that suffering is just an inevitable part of life. Some cultures face suffering with a more reasoned approach, such as the Stoics of ancient Greece and Rome, while others have a more spiritual approach, like Hinduism. Either way, it is a way to make sense and to find a purpose for the unpleasantness and distress that comes with suffering. Otherwise, we simply end up suffering alone for no reason. It is arguably human nature to not want to languish in suffering either. So those that suffer through oppression and mistreatment inevitably try to rebel against their oppressors if given the opportunity. If I think back at the mistakes I did in my life and the consequences that came of them, I can truly say that, yes, suffering was an outcome of those poor choices. Worse still, when faced with this suffering, I chose to avoid the pain by drinking or neglecting my responsibilities, which simply made the consequences even worse. One particular event comes to mind, my first real breakup. Now those that know me will probably roll their eyes and agree that, yeah, I put myself and the people close to me through a lot. I plan on having a whole episode to discuss the topic of breakups and how they can spiral downwards very quickly when not dealt with. I say this with first-hand experience on the matter, but in the context of this episode, I will simply state that when I could have cleaved myself away and dealt with the initial pain of the breakup, I chose to stick around and to try and fix things for way too long. It festered, and it ended up costing me my dignity and self-respect, some of my friends, money, and almost all of my freedom. If I'd had the courage and the wisdom to deal with the initial pain, I could have learned a lesson and grown from it without the cost of my self-respect and dignity. Oh, I learned a lesson, all right. And I gained wisdom. Life will impress that upon you. But it almost cost me all the things that I love the most. Or, as I had mentioned before, getting an education. I chose to not put in the sacrifice for a long-term gain and lost out on many opportunities and had to work double time to catch up. In the end, suffering is inevitable. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to suffer for a short while or do we want to drag it out for a long time? By not taking our responsibilities and facing the challenges that life throws at us, we only increase the pain that we have to endure and get farther away from the happiness and fulfillment. Doing the things that we don't want to, but doing them anyways, discipline, and consistency, in my opinion, is the key to happiness. 
That level of suffering is absolutely nothing compared to what awaits us if we neglect ourselves and our responsibilities. And this applies to everything. Family, finances, fitness, health, and on and on. So if we look at the ancients and the wise, what can we gather for ourselves today that can help us in our day-to-day? Learning to master our emotions and remaining calm in the face of adversity like Marcus Aurelius, not letting our emotions get the better of us. Understanding what is causing our pains and learning from them like Siddhartha Gautama has taught us all those years ago. Learning and growing spiritually so that we can get a greater understanding of the world around us through compassion and by doing good acts and avoiding bad ones like in Hinduism. Sharing our burdens and our pains together with the aim of having a common sense of community and understanding for one another. Growing together and helping each other out. All of these acts will never get us to avoid suffering, but it will certainly make us less afraid of it and perhaps get to eventually embrace it as an opportunity rather than as a punishment. And if suffering is intentionally inflicted on others, then as individuals and a community, we can denounce it for what it is. I find that in today's society, we fear and we run away from suffering. We try to numb it and escape it, where we should lean into it and overcome it. Perhaps in our modern age, We can relearn what the true value and meaning behind suffering is, and we can all grow and become wiser together. By moving through pain, we find pleasure, joy, and meaning. We don't chase the butterflies anymore. They come to us. Like I mentioned before in the beginning of the podcast, that is the duality of pleasure and suffering. The simplest example of which is in physical training. The burn and discomfort you feel is what leads to a strong body and mindset. But you have to endure the pain to get to the pleasure. The same can apply to studies, authoring, or even publishing a podcast. But that's what I think. What do you guys think? That will do it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Again, write to me at deadbutterflypodcast at gmail.com so we can discuss this further. Join the discussion. Let me know what you think. If you have opinions on the subject, agree or disagree, I want to hear from you. Dead Butterfly Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Let's grow this community. Let's start a discussion. Let's all move towards our goals and happiness together. And don't forget, stop chasing those butterflies and get digging, motherfuckers. Don't give up. Stay tuned for the next episode. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great day.